In the morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ, how are you today? Welcome to the Sunday edition of St. Mark and Bemidji's podcast, a podcast that encourages you to open your Bible instead of propping the church door open with it. The Sunday edition, as always, is a replay of a sermon from our church or another well sister church. It's super handy for when you're on the road, or you're sick, or you're unable to make it to church for one reason or another. Today's sermon begins a new series on the topic, The Church That God Wants. And our text today is Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And now we join Pastor Z for our sermon titled, The Real Jesus. In the name of Christ Jesus, who is indeed the solid rock upon which we stand, amen. As I mentioned earlier, we are, uh, this portion of the season of Pentecost, we are going to take a look uh, at, a, at, a, at a different idea that comes across in our lectionary readings. That is, the three readings that have been pre-selected for every Sunday of the church here. As we go through these, we are going to see different aspects of what God desires or what God wants in a church. And as I said earlier, the idea today is that God wants a church that knows who He is. As Christians, we must know where to find the real Jesus. We must know where to find the truth. We must know where to find the things that Jesus gives us. It's how we recognize the Lord. Where to find Him? And we, re- we recognize Him by what He gives us. It might sound rather simple, but this morning I want to set up a little hypothetical scenario for you. It might sound real, but I assure you it's for uh, purely for educational purposes. I introduce you to two people. Now, the first one is, um, her name is Betty. And she is outspoken about all of her political views. She's convinced that the state of our country the state of our schools, the state of our society as a whole is plummeting to rock bottom because our society and our schools and many of our homes have asked God to leave. She forcefully and enthusiastically supports the the, uh, prayer in public schools, not regarding uh, any kind of Christian unity or even uh, around the same religion, 
She just thinks that it's enough that people pray and understand that there's something that's, that's bigger and better than them. She's about as right-wing as it can get. And she is convinced that God's in her corner. Now, on the flip side, I want you to meet Jane. Jane is the polar opposite of Betty. She is uh, really big on gun control. She's anti-war. She often votes Green Party. She voted in favor of the legalization of recreational drugs. She goes on women's marches to support, uh, to support her sisters and show solidarity with them. Now, one area in which she does differ from your typical mainstream uh, person on the left wing is that she had an abortion when she was very young and she suffers with the guilt of that. So she breaks the party line there. She is pro-life. But otherwise, she's about as left-wing as you can get. She too is convinced that God is in her corner. Here's the kicker. They're both members of the same Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Church. How can that be? Two polar opposite political views? How can that possibly be? Let's see, the thing is, Christians live in this world and there are many issues that face us from day to day. There are things that affect our lives in a very visceral, visceral way. Decisions that our government makes. Things that we are often called to vote on. Things that are important to us because they have something to do with our immediate future. The future of our children. The future of our grandchildren. We often hear, we're not, I mean, we're not even in an election year yet. But yet we already see it ramping up. I mean, you turn on the news or you listen to the radio and it's all over the place. The gears are turning, the wheels are moving, and oftentimes it's important for Christians to listen as politicians will often use the name of Jesus or certain parts of the Bible as a dog whistle to Christians. And while there might be some overlap, as Bible-believing Christians, we need to be extremely careful we need to be extremely careful about what we say. We need to be extremely careful because Jesus is not a politician. Jesus is not the poster boy for any political party or for politi political candidate any more than he is a fan of the Minnesota Vikings, which is definitely not true. The Green Bay Packers may be, but... <clears throat> hey, green and gold, sorry. Um... um Anyway, I, got, I had to throw that in there. Jesus spent the better part of his ministry pointing out, I'm not a politician. Oftentimes you'll hear people say, well, he was just a radical teacher that wanted to throw out the Roman government and he was, he was just a, a down-to-earth guy. Jesus was a communist. What? No, Jesus had no political affiliation. Jesus spent the majority of his ministry pointing out, I am not like them. We've got bigger fish to fry, people. That main issue was him, and this is what he tries to drive home to his disciples this morning. We hear him uh, as, as he asks his disciples. He's in the region of Caesarea Philippi, which is, is, is over closer to the coast. And Jesus, uh, so kind of a little bit farther out from ground zero, Jerusalem. 
And Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And what's their response? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Many different opinions of who Jesus was. Granted, there was no Facebook and there was no uh, national evening nightly news, you, you know, that, that facial recognition that we have um, uh, that is a blessing to us. You know, I can say, um, I don't know, I can say Donald Trump and you're not like, I wonder what he looks like. No, you know. Um, people back then, if you said Jesus, it was kind of like, uh, I'm not really sure. But beyond that, there's all these different messages. And if we don't have time to break every single one down today, but they give uh, this answer. Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And if you really look at what the disciples meant by each one of those things, you could really break it down to this. Some say Jesus is a, uh, yet another teacher. Some say he's yet another prophet, similar to John the Baptist. Some say that he's a moral leader. Some say he is maybe a, a, an iconic figure, or maybe a new king. Maybe yet another politician. What does Jesus say? What about you? What about you, disciples? You twelve? Who do you say I am? And Peter stands up and speaks for the group as he is so often wont to do. And he says, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And I can't help but imagine a smile breaking out on Jesus' face as Peter says this. He looks at him and he said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now some, would, uh, some people out there would say, well, this is the verse where Jesus made Peter the first pope. Couldn't be farther from the truth. Because there's a play on words going on here that we don't really catch. The Greek word for rock is Petros. Peter, his name is Rock. I wonder if he got called Rocky. That was, you know, like, that's what his name was. Rocky. Um, but Jesus says, on this rock, in the, literally in the Greek, on this, not Petros, on this Petera, on this pebble, on this pebble I will build my church. What's the pebble? The pebble is the thing that just came out of Peter's mouth. This little confession. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That's the pebble that the church is built on. That's where Christians, that's where believers find their strength because that little pebble, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, flies in the face of every other earthly message. Flies in the face of everything, as Jesus says. Flies in the face of everything we know by the flesh, even Peter. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven, Jesus says. This is the real Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of the living God. This is who Scripture reveals Him to be. This is the real Christ. The real Jesus. Not a politician, not yet a number, uh, another one of a prophet, not another radical teacher. This is the Messiah. 
the anointed one, the Savior, and nothing less. And would you follow a politician who makes such a claim? I am the son of the living God. What? Would you follow a teacher who makes such a claim? Or a philosopher? There's a conundrum going on here. This is indeed is revealed by God the Father in heaven. Because Jesus is either one of two things. Either he is who Peter confesses him to be here. Or he is completely insane. Thank God he revealed himself by his works, by his message, by his miracles, by his innocent death on the cross, by his resurrection, to be exactly what Peter confessed him to be here. The Messiah, the Son of the living God. And the apostles who wrote extensively about him, the apostles who died horrible deaths, because they wouldn't take it back. No, we ate and drank and walked and talked with God. We saw Him rise from the dead. We saw the empty tomb. We saw where His body lay. And there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to change our minds about it. We know who He is. We know the real Jesus. We know that He is indeed the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And this is what the church is built on. That truth. Not any other political message. Not any other message. The Lord, the Son of the living God, the everlasting, eternal, almighty, all-powerful God, Jesus has to be. This is who He must be. I want you to recall a, a, a famous Bible story for a second. The one where Jesus heals the man who was crippled uh, in Mark's Gospel, that we find that Jesus is back in his hometown of Nazareth, and there's such a crowd of people around that the people can't get their, uh, their, their, their crippled friend inside the door to see Jesus to heal him. So what do they do? Rip a hole in the roof. They climb up on the roof and they tore a hole open uh, on the top of the roof and they lowered their friend on a mat down in front of Jesus. What is the first thing Jesus says to that guy? The very first words out of Jesus' mouth to that man are, Son, your sins are forgiven. We might have expected him to immediately heal his physical ailment. But Jesus didn't come to perform sideshow tricks. He came to show himself to be the Christ, to be the Almighty. To be God in human form. Son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees behind Jesus, they start grumbling. Who can forgive sins but God alone? But that so you might know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins, pick up your mat and go. And the guy picks up his mat and he walks out in full view of all of them. Jesus here shows Himself to be what Peter confesses Him to be. The Messiah, the Son of the living God. And what's His chief concern? His chief concern is the forgiveness of sins. He speaks and He acts with the authority of God Almighty. He speaks and acts with the authority as only the Creator God could with His healing ways. 
But the first thing he does is forgive. He forgives the man whose life was miserable, maybe all his days spent in complaining and grumbling and all the things that he couldn't do. He forgives the disciples for their doubt in the Garden of Gethsemane, each betraying Him in their own way. When Jesus, on that uh, first Easter evening, appears to His disciples, what's the first word out of His mouth to them? First of all, what's the last time He saw them? Well, aside, aside from John. Running away from Him in the Garden of Gethsemane? Abandoning Him in His hour of need? He could have rightly walked in there and said, what gives? Can't believe you guys. After all you saw me do, you bailed. The first word out of his mouth to his disciples on that first Easter evening when he appears to them is shalom. Peace. He doesn't say it once, he says it twice. Peace, brothers. I forgive you. Now as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And he again reminds them of the keys. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's what he ascends his disciples, his, his, his future apostles out with. Jesus forgives them. He forgives us. We heard it this morning as we stood in, uh, up in here and we confessed our, 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 confessed our sins to God, our misspent years, our our sins and our thoughts, our words and our deeds and our doubts, for all the times that we put a barrier between ourselves and another person because of maybe our anger or our malice or our frustration, Jesus forgives as only He can since He is indeed the Son of the living God without beginning and without end. His, His, His blood that He shed on the cross has infinite value. For you, for me, for people of all time, covering the mountains of iniquity of billions upon billions of people who have, other, who have ever existed. In that power to forgive, that incredible power to forgive, doesn't remain with Him. But He gives it to you. He gives it to His disciples. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He gives us keys. He gives us two keys. The keys to the kingdom of heaven. This is how we know who the real Jesus is. Because He gives you keys. So what are those keys? Well, there's two of them. And they each have a unique purpose. Simply stated, it's the law and the gospel. The binding key, the locking key, is the law. It's the one that reminds us that I am indeed a sinner. That on my own, I am not right with God. I have fallen short in a whole host of ways. And if we are unrepentant in our sin, that locking key reminds us that we have a continual raised fist to God. We are in an open state of rebellion with Him. Heaven is shut. That's the locking key. But then for the repentant sinner, there's the loosing key that unlocks with the truth of the Gospel message 
the fact that Christ was for you, that the Messiah, the Son of the living God, without beginning or end, endured hell on the cross that you might never have to. You never need worry about the accusations of other people or the accusations of Satan. You're not good enough. How could God possibly love you? This is where sinners come back to. We fly back to the feet of the real Jesus. And we take those keys in our hand. It's why they're a part of every single part of our service. From the invocation to the, the last hymn. That we might take them out of here. And go use them in our home. To think to oneself. Self-examine daily, on a daily basis. Do I need to ask for forgiveness? Do I need to be forgiving? Am I being called to correct? Am I being called to rebuke? Hard as it may be, sometimes, do I need to forgive this or that person, my spouse, my coworker, my child? Reminding the great debt that has been forgiven me. Because that's what the real Jesus, the Son of the living God, has called us to do. To use those keys every day. Homes, workplaces, especially in church with, among, uh, with a group of people who are <laughs> sinful people. Myself included, most certainly. We are called to forgive. And that's what makes us it possible for two people who are seemingly polar opposites like Betty and Jane, to be members of the same congregation. Because no matter what, this is where sinners gather. No matter, no matter our, 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 our earthly points of view on things, brothers and sisters, we got bigger fish to fry. We know the great things that God has done for us. To show us, He shows us who the Son of the living God is. So there is no gatekeeping in Christianity. You don't need to belong to a certain philosophy or a group of people or a race or a, or a political organization to be a believer. Jesus says, no, come. Come gather here at the foot of my cross. Remember what I did for you. Remember what I did for all people. Because He is indeed the Messiah, the Son of the living God, who endured hell for us that we might never so while there may be seemingly many important messages in our lives and things that we seemingly might want to glom onto, nothing trumps this one. We've got, we've got bigger fish to fry. And there's many political messages and the problems of this world, but we've been called to show our Savior. Not the Savior of a politician or a group, but the Savior of Scripture. We've been called to show who our Savior is. Who our Redeemer is. The reason for our peace. The reason that we can have hope. Not just for ourselves, but for the entire world. We're called to show the real Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. Our church services are live-streamed at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings and are available afterwards on our channel, St. Mark Lutheran Church Bemidji. If you're listening or watching this podcast, you are cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. This is our fourth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarkbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. You can also search for St. Mark Bemidji on YouTube to find our channel. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again www.stmarkbemidji.org. All scripture readings are taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, copyright 2011, and are used by permission from Zondervan. Meditation's daily devotional is published by Northwestern Publishing House and is also used by permission. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing and telling a friend. May God bless the rest of your day. salvation free lasting to eternity